Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Good morning. How's everyone? Doing good? Praise God. Good. Well, if you didn't get to be a part of the, um, let the children go to children's church. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to remember. Uh, if you didn't get to be part of the service last week, you can go online and listen to them. Uh, they'll, they'll bless you. Wednesday, I spoke about something. Uh, uh, Talking about a prophetical timeline for our life and uh, knowing where, uh, you know, I don't know if we ever thought about it, but God has a calendar. He really does have a calendar, and I won't get into all that. And if you don't know so, then ask a Jew because they know it. And uh, <clears throat> it's not the calendar that we use in the United States. He has a different, he has a different timeline, so he's always, he's always asking, how is it that you know this and you know that? And you can tell me when it's going to rain, if it's going to be hot today, but you don't know what time it is in the earth. And if you don't know what time it is, then you don't know where you are. If you don't know where you are, how are you going to go from here to there? Right? right. right? So we need to be able to ask the right questions. We need to know enough answers to ask the questions so we can go from that place to this place. Amen. It's kind of like um, <clears throat> whether you're doing it uh, the old way or the new way. Now most people have a, a phone that can help them. And uh, you want to go somewhere you don't know how to get there, your phone can pretty much get you there. But it needs two things. This needs two, need you to answer two questions. <clears throat> where you want to go and where you want to start from. Amen. And if you don't know where you are, then it can't really help you. Right. <clears throat> I mean, it can find your destination, but to map you out a plan to get there, it needs to know where you are. So, so where are you? And so where are we in time? And where is God in time? <clears throat> and then how do we cooperate with him in that? That was Wednesday night. And uh, it talked about two different kind of times. Uh, that God deals with. He, he made all time, created time, so he knows the time here on earth. But he has his time, so we want to cooperate with him. Uh, I don't know why uh, this morning, um, uh, it just kind of, I, I just thought about it while we were uh, in the praise and worship. And I was thinking about uh, uh, 27 years ago this month, I went from unchurched to churched. I've been in church all my life, and uh, kiddly, I say at 18 years of age, now it starts earlier, I came into the fullness of all knowledge at 18, <clears throat> and went to cart, you know, chart my life out and work everything out. And so that, uh, that took me, in my own thinking, that took me, I didn't have time for church. And uh, so I, I, I took 10 years out, and I don't think, uh, I didn't even do the Easter thing. You know, some people say, well, we always go at Easter. Well, well that's great. Or we always go at Christmas. Well, that's wonderful. <clears throat> but I was committed to being uncommitted. And uh, just had a, a really a distant uh, a relative. Um, and I'm like a fourth cousin that's kind of down the line. In it, who just kind of came into our life after so many years and just uh, kept on uh, witness, witnessing to us and ministering to us and and then inviting us to church, and it was really falling on deaf ears because I knew I was always going. It just wasn't going to be then. And uh, it's kind of like when I smoked, I was going to, I was always going to quit, always. Tomorrow, 
right? I mean, tomorrow would be the best day to do that. So that went on for about a decade for me. But the thing was, she, she was persistent. And she just uh, kept on, kept, she just kept on keeping on. And uh, she, <clears throat> we weren't responding to her as, as an entire family, so she stepped her game up and started using the tool of food. And with men, that's a pretty good tool. And she brought food one, one day, and, and that, uh, that made the thoughts you know, begin to stir. And that wasn't seeming to work, so she started feeding us sometimes two or three times a week, bringing food to our house. Of course, she had a family of five and drove a bus in the morning and a bus in the afternoon. And we was in, here in Jimison, and she was in Centerville, so it was real close for her. And she'd come two or three times a week and bring us food and just really and hand us church cassette tapes and said, maybe you could listen to my, my pastor preach. And I was interested in the roast beef, the cassette tape, not so much. And so they were, they were stacking up, but I was real appreciative of the food. And, and I know I've told the story many times, but I guess after about a month or so, um, <clears throat> she, she had more salesmanship in her than she knew. And she finally, this is how you do it, she asked for the sale. So she was handing, I'll never forget, she was handing me roast beef, mashed potatoes with gravy. It was all warm on the inside, green beans, da-da-da-da-da-da, uh, chocolate cake with homemade icing, <clears throat> big old dinner roll, whatever is on plate. And then while she was handing to me, she said, could you come to my church Sunday? I was like, uh, what time does it start? <laughs> <clears throat> so... Uh, so we were there, and we, uh, we were living in East Clanton, and her church was in Maplesville, so that was real close to 20-something miles. And so went there, and that's how all this began. And somehow, two years later, we ended up at Ramah. So I've always said, I don't know what the, she put in the cake. Do <laughs> we sit by her and moved to Oklahoma two years later after being church front for 10 years. But, uh, uh, but in October, we walked into a little storefront, and that's what it was, just a little storefront. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'd been in church, you know, like I said, all my life, and seemed like birth to 19, three, three times a week. I didn't, we, we didn't miss anything. So it was, uh, it, it changed everything in my life, everything in my life. Everything that I was hearing was different than, other, than I could remember it ever being told or said. I, I, had to, I had to really check up on this pastor because I was sure he was just real off. And uh, <clears throat> the way I had to check up on him was I had to go to the index and find out where the chapters was because I was unrehearsed. And, uh, and I'd hunt these things down and he'd say things. He had this little book he kept with him all the time, all the time. And he kept it so long that, and, and spoke it so often that he, he could quote it. He really could quote it, the whole book. Not miss a word, not miss the and the therefore what. He could quote Charles Capps, whole God's Creative Power book, every page, every word from front to back. <clears throat> and so uh, that was so much of what he ministered, which was a big help if you're going to go to a place like Rhema. Because if you don't understand anything about the spoken word or faith, and you just go to Ramah, you won't know what they're talking about. So it helped to have a foundation in those things. And that's where things really began to move for us. That's where God really began to introduce <clears throat> who he was 
in a way that we just we never knew growing up, even in church. And we began to see things take off. We began to see signs and wonders and miracles. That's where we began to find out God really had a plan for his life, our life from the very beginning. He wasn't making it up as he was going along. Thank God for that. And that uh, it was critical uh, that we, you know, engage in the plan. And it was, uh, you know, when you go to church all your life and you don't know that, that what you speak has anything to do with anything, then you just voice how you feel about stuff. Right? I mean, you have... You have five senses and you have emotions and when they begin to do whatever they do, the body wants to give voice to what it feels. Is that true? And so since it does, we did. And we found out that wasn't God's way. And that that took a bit of retraining. And uh, and so uh, we we kind of became a student of the word and then and been doing that ever since then. So I'm stirred up to minister some of the same things this morning. And um, there's a book, there's a, a chapter in the Bible that Brother Hagin wrote, if you want to go there, Mark chapter 11. This is what Brother Hagin wrote a number of years ago. Actually, he really didn't write this, but they thought he did. <clears throat> is it okay to quote Jesus? That would be okay, right? We know that Jesus spoke to a fig tree, don't we? We know that he's coming to Bethany and he was hungry and he saw a tree far off and he went and there was nothing on it. And because it wasn't producing what it's supposed to be producing and didn't have on it what, what he expected it to have, then he spoke to it because it wasn't being productive. And uh, he, we know that he cursed the tree from the roots and then he went on into Bethany and they came back the next day and Peter saw that same little tree and he... Uh, it just really shocked Peter, and he said, "Look, Master, the tree that you spoke to yesterday, the, the tree that you cursed, he said, uh, it's died." Well, <clears throat> that was a twenty-four hour period thereabouts. Well, when did it start dying? Well, it started dying the moment that Jesus spoke to it. But there really wasn't any evidence that if there had been evidence that Jesus would have, or Peter would have said, "Look, Jesus, you spoke to it, and it's dying." Well, there was no evidence of that. It's kind of like, a, I always say it's like spraying weeds or Roundup or whatever it is that you use. You're spraying them and you get through. And, it, and, if, and you know how that works, right? I mean, if, if you sprayed weeds really good, are you really questioning whether they're going to die or not? You have total faith in Roundup. Mm. Total faith in Roundup. And you can't see any evidence that they're dying. It takes a few days, doesn't it? Then the grass begins to change color and it goes down all the way to the root and kills it at the root, right? So Peter <clears throat> was astonished and he said, look, Jesus, uh, what you say actually happens. That's what he was saying. And Jesus says, Shazam. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> Jesus answered him and said, verse 22, he said, have faith in God. Or your Bible might say have the God kind of faith, which is what you do. Look at verse 23 and 24. Jesus' words read writing, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. Right? right? 
So there must have been a mountain there. But we understand the principle of what he's saying. He's not just talking about mountains. Jesus is not giving us a scripture to deal with mountains because you don't have a backhoe. Or you don't have a, a shovel. He's telling us what? When you have situations and problems in your life and you have what we might refer to as a mountain staring you in your life and it's just staying there and it's standing there and it's saying, I'm not going anywhere and look how big I am and what are you going to do about me? Jesus says, then do what I did to the fig tree. You know, actually Jesus spoke nine words to the fig tree. Some word people speak 14, 14 chapters. Well, Jesus, he spoke nine words and then he walked off. And he didn't look over his shoulder to see if anything was happening. He said, so have, that, have this faith. Have the, have the God kind of faith that's, that speaks to the mountains in your life and tells them this. Get up. Be removed. Be cast in the sea. He said, now don't, don't, don't doubt what you're saying. Right. Don't doubt it in your heart. In other words, he didn't say your head. Your head could have, Brother Hagin always said, you know, you could have a lot of doubts flying over your head. In other words, in the, in the, in the, in the way of thoughts. You know, just because you have thoughts contrary to the promise of God doesn't mean that you're in, you're in doubt. I would say it this way. Most times the doubts that you're experiencing, that you're hearing, I would say most times they're not even yours. The enemy, he just throws thoughts out. And it just sounds like you, so you're thinking, well, I'm doubting God. No, it's just, once again, and Brother Hagel would say it this way, you, you cannot keep birds from flying through the sky and over your head. But you do, have, you do have the opportunity to not let them build a nest in your hair, right? So he said, tell, tell the mountain, speak to the mountain. Well, the mountain may be an individual. Right. See, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So you might have to speak to the source of the situation. And I'm not saying you need to go verbally speak to them. I'm just talking about you, your words carry power, and they go in the distant realm, and you can do it this from from room to room or from room to, to yard and from yard to yard and from county to county and from state to state, from nation to nation, your words go everywhere, Amen. right? Amen. Michelle and I was talking about that before church with a friend that she had, and she did this very same thing. And, uh, <clears throat> and it's, so as we begin to speak and declare God's word, he said to this mountain, he said, the mountain hears you. Amen. Now it has to hear or otherwise why would you speak to it? What Jesus, the only thing he's enforcing is creation, how, how this world was created. Now, I know I'm with trained people who know all this, but, I'm, but in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke creation into existence. Hebrews 11, 2 said he framed this world with his words, which means we are framing our world with our words, right? Someone says, well, I don't do a lot of talking, but I do believe in that. Well, that doesn't work. So you can believe everything I'm saying, but if you're not active in it, it's not working for you in the positive sense. Amen. Speaking words works for everybody, yes. positively or negatively. Yes. It's the principle, and it's always working. Yes. Okay? Someone said, well, I think I've outgrown that message. <clears throat> uh, little one, you've got to grow up a little bit more because you're never going to because Jesus hasn't outgrown it. The Bible says he is the high priest over your words right now. Yes. He, he's watching over your words. Amen. It is, and uh, right now the Bible says he is hearing and listening 
and he's making intercession for you. I like that. That means Jesus is, pray, Jesus is praying for you t- this morning. I mean, if they said Enoch, that would have been cool, I guess, or Moses is praying for you. No, Jesus is praying for you. I always said, has there ever been a prayer that Jesus didn't have come to pass? No. And he's praying for who? You. And he's making intercession for us this morning. <clears throat> so we need to give him some correct words. Right? And so the next verse, Jesus went on to say this. He said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You know, the, uh, the verse before it that we just read, it had more to do with it. It had two components there. It had to do with saying. It had to do with believing. <clears throat> Brother Hagin pointed this out years ago. Jesus showed it to him. He said, look at that verse. He said, it, said, it, it says more about saying than it does about believing. I think it says uh, uh, either three times or five times about say, 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 and tells us to believe one time. So the, the, the problem is not so much in the believing department as it is in the saying department. And someone once again says, well, I'm just not that much bigger of a speaker. Well, then I'm sorry, you'll lose by default. This is the gospel of saying. How did you get saved? You believe something in your heart and you, you confessed it or you said with your mouth. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, well, whatever you have might, uh, maybe need that this morning could be a lot of things. It may look impossible. A lot of times it does. It may look so far away. And if it looks so far away, it's because you're looking at it from the human perspective. Hmm? But when you see the promise through the eyes of faith. When you look at it through the word, not, not through the human perspective, not through the senses, but when you look at what you have need of in the word, it's all so very close. Amen. Are you here? <clears throat> well, why is it? Why you say, well, why is it close? Well, because you're, you're accepting it by faith. And so it has to be close because faith says faith is not tomorrow, not yesterday, but faith is right now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is. It doesn't say tomorrow faith is, but tomorrow comes. It won't be tomorrow. It'll be today. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It, faith is the, thing, the evidence of things that you don't see with your physical senses. So faith is that which you don't see. Faith is the finances that you have need of. Amen. Amen. Whatever you have need of. Faith is the answer. So Jesus says, you got a problem? You got a mountain? He says, talk to it. Don't talk about it. Talk to it. Don't tell God about the problem. Tell the problem what? About God. Tell the mountain what God said. Your mountains hear you. People say, well, I just don't know if I believe all that because I I was sick once and they told me to speak this and I did. I tried that three or four times. Nothing happened. I'll refrain from all the thoughts that just went through my mind because there's, they were many and numerous and I've only had so much time. Your life, your life at this moment is moving in the direction of your most dominant influential thoughts. That's true. Whatever you're, whatever you're thinking on, whatever stays in your mind, your life is moving in that direction. Whatever's 
or whoever's influencing you, that's where your life is headed. Amen. Amen. Every thought that introduces itself to you, once again, is simply not yours. The scripture says concerning Judas, it says, it says Satan put the thought of betrayal into Judas's mind. It wasn't Judas's thought at all, but he didn't resist it. So therefore he acted upon it. Some say, well, I feel like a failure. That's not a scripture. But I feel like one. That's not a scripture. But I feel like one. But it's not a scripture. Hmm? Can you tell I want to go by the scripture? Right? Now, we have these feelings, and, we, and because we feel them, we get frustrated with them, and we just want, it, we just want to tell it. We just want to talk it. We just want to say it. Oh, it's just, you know, just how, how you feel. Just, oh, just uh, how much time you got. Huh? It, we just want to, we want to get it out and tell somebody how we feel. Well, it takes, it, it takes as much energy or more, takes more energy to be negative than it does to be positive. Right? The Bible says faith will call the very thing that you don't have, the be not, as though it is. Calling things to be not as if they already existed. Well, they do exist, right? But where do they exist? They, they exist in the realm of the spirit. Is the spirit real? Is the spirit realm real? Hmm? If God opened your spiritual eyes and you could see, you would see everything that, that's happening in the realm of the spirit realm. You see all type of activity. Angelic and demonic. You'd see the, the war that's going on. You'd see answers. You'd see angels carrying organs around and hearts and livers and kidneys and for some people maybe a brain. That'd be good for some folks. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, but our life is moving in the direction of whatever's influencing you. So we should never let a negative thought or a negative thinking person rent space in your head. If someone is negative and they're influencing you, then you, you're going to need some new company because that person is going to begin to say things that, that you, whether you realize or not, you'll absorb them. Uh, and sometimes you don't even know it's not someone speaking to you, it's just where you are. And, uh, and, I, and I tell the story of now and then, I kind of hate to tell it, but it is the truth, but it just drives a point home. Um, when I was in Oklahoma and going to Bible school, over two decades ago, um, I was working after school in a carpet store because that's what I knew. And uh, they, all, they had uh, background music going on, and we didn't have any control of that. It was just whatever it was. And it was kind of the rock from the 70s and 80s that was playing. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'm in my first year of Bible school. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm just at work and just doing my job, but the music's always going. I don't, even, I don't have no control over what station's on there. Uh, the manager did all that. So... I, I'm not even, uh, I'm not even, I mean, I knew the song, I guess, but I wasn't thinking about it. I was just doing my job and I wasn't singing with it or nothing. But the very next day, the very next day, I'm back in Bible school and I'm sitting in my, in my little desk right there and I'm waiting for Keith Moore to come in and start teaching. And I'm sitting there, you know, just looking at my notes last time and I had my, my pen in my hand. And that song that I, that I heard yesterday at work was in my mind, I guess. And I didn't realize it. So I started just humming it, singing it a little bit while I was sitting in my desk. And I was sitting there looking at my notes. And I said, I'm on the highway to hell. I'm on the highway to hell. Y'all know the song, On the Highway to Hell? And then I thought, 
and I looked around me because I met Raymond. And they're looking at me like I'm looking at them. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't mean to say that. Can't believe I said that. <laughs> well, do you think I, I believed I was on the highway to hell? So did that mean I had to be on the highway to hell? No. But just being in that atmosphere every day long with, you know, worldly type music and all this and a familiar beat before when I was on that highway <laughs> hooked up to an old frame of mine and you know and I liked the beat and back then I thought it was a really great song but it wasn't a great song and uh, certainly a bad confession so <clears throat> they made fun of me and if they knew where I lived they'd still be doing it I guess but anyway uh, so whatever's influencing you it can, it can be music yes. or people or just something in your environment you need to guard your mind okay now, I always say it this way, um, because Hosea 4, 6 says this, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Perish. Not have a bad day, perish for a lack of knowledge. So God gave us his word, watch here, why? Because his word's full of knowledge, his knowledge, right? right. He did that, and put all his knowledge and put it in a book. Why? Because he wants to stop perishing. Took all of his word, took all of his knowledge, took all of his will, put it in a book to stop the perishing. People say, well, I'm still perishing. You're not in the book. Hmm. When you apply the knowledge, you see, then the perishing will begin to stop. Because the enemy is having what he says. Oh. And when we start saying what God says, we turn the table on and we start having what God says through us. When you speak the word, the enemy doesn't know if it's your voice or his voice. And the reason why people get frustrated a little while or they, or they don't ever come to understand uh, the spoken word or faith is when you begin to see these things and you begin to speak forth. It doesn't go, I don't think the word goes so much to, to eliminate the situation at that moment you're beginning to establish your heart in truth. That's what, that, that's what happens when you begin to speak the word. Yes. And so if, if you don't see it in two confessions, it doesn't mean it's not working. It's beginning to work in your heart. Then you establish it in your heart. Yes. Uh, August, I think it was 1996, when I was six months out of Bible school, well, more than that, six months into the church, um, my mother died in church. And uh, we, uh, of course, spoke the word over her, prayed, and, and I just had a couple of verses I kept on speaking. And the gifts of the Spirit was involved, and the gift of faith was in operation, and other gifts, and there was... It was very evident to me that uh, there was just there was just no doubt in me. It just I mean there was there was no pulse. There was nothing happening, but I I just knew in my heart that, that she was not gonna quote stay dead. So I just kept on quoting the verse: "You you will live and not die. You will declare the works of the Lord." And I just rebuked the spirit of death, and I commanded life just to keep coming back. And I just kept on doing it, and 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 kept on doing it. And you could take a pulse, and she had none. You could. 
put up her pupils. You couldn't find or her eyelids. Couldn't find no pupils. I mean, check your pulse anywhere you want to. She was absolutely gone. But in that process, uh, a few minutes later, we kept on saying the same thing, and she life came back into her body. And that was uh, August 1996. And so uh, later on, after they took her to the hospital and checked her all out, checked her out, they knew um, that she had died. But uh, they were trying to figure all that out and couldn't come up with an answer. But she had, uh, in the process, something that happened. Uh, I don't know if it was like a mild stroke or whatever happened to her, but uh, it affected her vision. And she lost uh, a great deal of vision in one eye. And uh, I don't remember exactly the amount of it, but I mean, she had a very limited vision after that situation that morning, but just in one eye. And we laid hands on her and uh, didn't seem to be anything had changed right away. And so I said, um, I said, just just begin to take the scriptures. And uh, it might be the Charles Cass book. I don't know. She, she began to take the scriptures and she began to speak over that eye. And uh, so she periodically go back to the eye doctor and uh, she told her what happened. She says, well, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to retain ever getting the vision back. Uh, and she said, so she said, but come back and see me in a few months. So she went back six months later and she just spoke to that, that one eye all the time. And she was about six months later, her eyes had completely changed or that eye had, and she had better vision in that eye than she had in the good eye. And so the doctor was, she's like, well, I don't get this. What have you been doing? She said, well, I've just been praying and I've been speaking God's word over my eye. And she said, Miss Ware, she says, wow. She says, well, if that's the case, she said, you should have been saying to your eyes because now that eye is better than your good eye. And so, <laughs> but see, what was she doing? She was planting a seed and she was declaring God's word. So let's talk about this a moment, about <clears throat> declaring and decreeing. By declaring what's decreed. Uh, and so when you, when you do that, there's a difference. So you remember God said in uh, Numbers 14, 28, he told Israel, he said, as I live, says the Lord, he says, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. In other words, Israel kept on saying, they're giants, we can't, there's too much, the, you know, it's inhabited, we can't take the land. And God said, He'd already promised the lamb, gave them. It was a good land. They went over and saw it. And they said, we're just like grasshoppers. We can't do it. Remember all that? And God just got really, you might say, Alabama fed up with it. And he says, as you keep speaking in my ears, he says, you're going to have exactly what you said. And so there's a difference about when we, from praying, from declaring. And declarations always come from the heart. Speaking the word comes from your heart. But it has to come out of your, it comes from your heart. It has to be spoken out of your mouth when you're maybe declaring something over yourself or maybe you're declaring something over someone. Michelle was talking about a friend that she, you know, who has, you might say, a little bit different beliefs and some other things. And she was just helping her with some things and speaking some things over the phone into her life from a far distance away. And it didn't take that very long. The woman began to have some turnarounds in her life, even to the place of her, of her animals. Yes. Amen. 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 So, you know, when you don't believe this and you believe something different and, you know, and then someone comes along who knows God and speaks God's word and your puppy is now happy when your puppy was unhappy. 
and there's no way to get puppy happy without a big shot or, or you know, or a vet bill or whatever. And then you, someone just speaks the God's word and puppy starts eating and drinking. Uh, you know, I always thought that person, I was saying, what else is that you know I don't know nothing about? But anyway, sometimes they get that, sometimes they don't. So declarations have to come from your heart, then spoken through your mouth. And it requires a heart of surrender. But that should be daily anyway. A daily surrender. In other words, the position of the heart is Jesus to you. I bow to you. I bow to your will. I bow to your way. I bow to your word. Why? Because his word's truth. Now, we won't go there for a second time, but James 4 2 says, You don't have because you don't ask. Amen. People say, Well, I ask a lot, but I don't have. Well, he went on to say, Or you, you're asking, but you're asking amiss. You know, motive has everything to do with everything also. What is the purpose and what is the motive? Asking is a petition to God. Jesus wants us to ask. In Philippians 4, 6, it tells us, don't be worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request or specific request be made known unto God. So when you decree something, Generally, that's something that's also written. You ever heard of a petition? It's written. A decree is written. Job twenty two twenty eight says, you shall declare a thing, and that which you declare will be established. Some of you aren't listening. You shall decree a thing, and that which you declare and decree out of your mouth, it will then be established. The Amplifier says, in the light of God's favor, then will go shine upon that which you've been saying. But it has to be decreed. See, if you don't get control of your tongue, you're never really going to have a successful life at all. Yep, I said it. This is how the Christian life works. You might be professional in, in what you do for a living, but if you want to be a professional Christian, you better learn how to talk. Hmm? Or you're just be nominal. Well, I could try to say it nicer. I'll say, uh, <laughs> if you're going to do it, you ought to do it well. And if you're going to do it well, you're going to have to learn how to control your speech. That's right. Amen. Hmm? All the time. It doesn't mean that everything that people say, because I know there's, we still got some people out there. They're, they're the confession police. Oh, you said that. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. And, but you understand, sometimes it's good to have someone to help you with that. But it's, it's not that when you say something wrong that that goes happens. But what happens is you're establishing your heart. And if you're one of those persons who just joke and kid about everything, then your heart is it's just unreliable. It doesn't know what you're doing. James says you are deceiving your own heart when you just speak this and you speak that and you speak this and you speak that. And there's just a lot of things that we just say. They're just, they're colloquial sayings. We, we, we just say it like, oh man, that's tickled me to death. Well, that don't mean you're going to be tickled to death. But see, you, you, your heart's, you, you, is the production center of the word. And all it knows how to do because it takes the seeds, like the seed in the ground, and it wants to produce the harvest. And when you're throwing all this stuff in, it don't know. Oh, I just love them to death. Why don't you just love them to life? Amen. All of our colloquial sayings around death, you ever noticed? Man, that, 
did you have some of that cake? It's to die for. Well, I don't want to eat enough. I'm going to die if I eat it. I don't care how good it is. I mean, how about it's good? It, it's, it's to live for. Right? I mean, if you die before you get it, you don't get it and you die. I'm just saying. I just, you know, <laughs> right? So we got these sayings about, you know, tickles me to death. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm, so, I'm so sick. You know, I can't this or I'm so broke. I can't pay attention. Right? Well, you know, all, all you're doing is you're, you're still using the premium of words. You're still using words. You're, you're still choosing words. See, God said you, you can't choose whether or not you're going to live on this planet by words. God didn't give you the choice of whether you are going to live by words or not going to live by words. He said, but you will choose the words you live by. But you can't choose whether you're going to live by words. Hmm? If this is an old message, then I'm just older than 14 goats tied together. I don't, I don't know. I, I just could, if that's old, I'm going to stay old. Because this is how it's working. How do you think authority works? Can you work, can, can you work authority without words? I mean, my mother was laying there dead on the floor. And I'm just, I, mean, I mean, was it according to my feelings? Right? So when, when God needs to do something, when Jesus cursed a fig tree, he needed some words. Huh? Amen. When the enemy is attacking you, you need words. Yeah. Right? right? You need heart words. Yes. When your body's sick, you need words. Yes. When your money's run out or low, you need words. Yes. But you need the right words. Psalms 50, I think verse 12 said, Jesus ordered his words aright. Not a wrong, but he ordered the right words. What are you saying? You're going to have what you say. I'm still so impressed with that, that uh, this is where everything changed in my life. So when you decree, you establish but God sees your words not really as words. God sees your words that you speak. He sees words as seeds. Not words, but seeds. Every word, every word that you speak is a seed that you plant. Amen. So every time you declare something or you're decreeing something, you are a seed planter. Hmm? Which means you are now, you have now come into harvesting. Some of you, this is the tune-up. Some of you are like, I know something about this. I need to really dig into this. Some of you are waiting to eat lunch. You just need me to hurry up, maybe. Hmm? Which is a shame. Because it, 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 it ought to, I, I, I never got this thing because in 1990 when I walked into a little storefront church, I'm talking about it needed, what did it need? Oh, I tried everything. I was like, my gosh, y'all meet in here. After 10 years, I ain't been to church. Church ain't been having some problems since I left. <laughs> I'm in the carpet business and I'm there about two months later and it's cold. It's January. There ain't enough heat. And there's no, you know, just a painted concrete floor. 
And it's the first time I think God spoke to me after 10 years. You know, I don't even know when he spoke to me before, you know, before the 10 years. But the first thing I heard God tell me, first thing I think I ever heard God tell me was, I sit in that church three months later, hearing about words, hearing about authority, hearing about the power of spoken word, hearing about the death, life, and the power of the tongue. And I heard God speak to me just as clear and plain, scared me out of my mind. It just did. That's not a bad confession. I mean, it scared me in my mind. And I'm looking around and it's like, and uh, he said, carpet this church. <clears throat> and then I thought, and then I remember saying, God, if that's you, I don't, I don't know if they can afford it. He said, they, they can because you won't be giving them an invoice. Oh. I said, oh. I should have stayed home today. Because <laughs> when I presented it to the pastor that way, he could afford it. <laughs> yeah, he could afford it. And then he afforded it. Uh, the same way upstairs and every other way. Amen. What a great place to plant a good seed. So every time we declare, we're planting seeds. So let's talk about the power of words just a moment now. So God has ordained words and words in the tongue. James said your tongue is the same thing as a rudder is to a ship. What does a rudder do? It sets direction. It guides the ship. What? So James said that your tongue is that that sets the direction of your life. So what we say, because we're planting seeds, will be your future. What you're saying today is going to be your future. So I don't like that. Well, it's because you change the words, right? Then you can rejoice over it. Because that ought to be good news for somebody in here. Yes. What you've been saying is going to be your future. There's no, there's no guesswork in it. Amen. I worked for a man. Michelle did. I both worked for a man before we got married. And then because we got married, one of us had to quit there. And because uh, no one in management could be married to someone working in the same place. So I, I quit. No, she quit. Because my check was twice what hers was. But I wanted to quit. But I was with a guy all the time that had issues and uh, lots of issues. I won't get into that. But I remember he always said, I'll never live to be 50 years old. If he said it one time, he said it 50, 100,000. He said, I'll never live to be 50. I said, why do you say that? With me, no understanding of what I'm talking about today. I said, why do you say that? He said, I don't know. I just, I just won't. I just know I'll never live to be 50. Every thought that comes to your mind is not yours, remember? Well, he had lots of issues in life. And later on, they found him. Uh, he, he owned the store. And, uh, and things went uh, hayward, you know, a few years later. And he lost the store, and then he, uh, he moved back to, uh, to his home state. And they found him in a room, dead, surrounded by alcohol at the age of 49. What you say will be your future. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 12, 14. He says, from the fruit of, of his lips, a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. So he's likening two things. Once again, he says, from the, from the words that you're speaking will produce fruit. 
The same way a man is filled with good things, he said, as surely as a man who used his hands will have, a, have an outcome to the work that he's producing. In other words, go to work, use your hands, he produces the reward of it. He likens that to the spoken word that you speak out of your lips will produce fruit the same way your hands produces a reward. Will have what? Not, not might have, will have. Okay? So God says that the tongue can produce the same kind of results as the work of your hands. So what is your tongue saying? Because that is going to be your harvest. You'll never have to wonder how you got where you got a year from now, a month from now. I'm telling you in October where you're headed in November. Solomon is saying that a man is filled with good things by the fruit of his lips. So most of us, if you had a difference between a choice, a good choice or a bad choice, wouldn't you choose the good, the good thing? Yes. That looks like most of you. Okay. So notice it's, it's by the fruit of our lips. Another scripture says, from the fruit of your lips, a man enjoys good things. That's Proverbs 13 too. From the fruit of your lips, we enjoy good things. The classic scripture comes from Proverbs 18, 20, 21. It says, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled with the harvest from his lips. He is satisfied. The next verse, 21, because death and life is in the power of your tongue. Death or life is in your tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of what's in your tongue. What are you saying? These kids are driving me crazy. Well, I, I, I know that's just a, a saying, and you can be frustrated with whatever, but what, what is it that you want? What is it that you want to see about the kids? What kind of inheritance do you want them to have? How do you want, how do you want these kids to live life? Well, they're not doing any of that. That's, but see, you, didn't, you dodged my question. You sound like a politician, right? No, the question is, well, what is it that you want? Well, I want them to, to, to live for God and live productive lives and, and marry someone that's, you know, godly and have a good life and, and do what God wants them to do in their life. Well, then why don't you get scriptures that support that? Instead of being a newspaper reporter and going around saying, well, they this and they that, and they don't ever this, don't have that, and they ain't never going to win. Well, see, that's, that's the voice of the body. That's the feeling. That's the emotional realm and giving voice to it. And the Bible calls Satan the accused of the brethren. He's collecting all those words. And he's using them against you. Yep. Right? So the scripture says that the tongue produces fruit. Or you can say it this way. Your words produce fruit. And fruit is the end. of, Or fruit is the end, which is the result of the seed. Can I say it again? The scripture says that the tongue produces fruit. True? Amen. Or you can say it this way again. Your words... Our seeds, so your words produce fruit, and fruit is the end result of seed. Or you could do it this way, an illustration. If you're holding an apple in your hand, then you're holding the result of a seed. And if you chew down into the apple all the way to the core, what you're going to find? More seeds. So what produced the apple? Was it the, the outward fruit, or was it the seed? The seed. So when you're holding... The apple in your hand, you're holding the result of what was planted. Amen. 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 
Hmm? Amen. I mean, what is the what is the result of an acorn? An oak tree. Of <laughs> gee, you took uh, you might have took Carter out yesterday to do some things with him, helping Christian for, nail it for a while. It was funny. They made a little video of him, and he was holding an acorn, saying, "Gee, so what's that?" He said, "Coconut." <laughs> it was like, no. <laughs> Small one. <laughs> no, <clears throat> no but, the, but the acorn seed, huh, when planted, becomes this huge, huge, huge tree. Your life is moving in the direction of your most dominant thoughts and your most dominant words. And if you're going to be a professional in life, whether you're going to be a nurse practitioner or whether you're going to be a scientist or whether you're going to be a mechanic or whether you're going to be whatever, you ought to be a professional Christian. And you'll never be one without controlling your tongue. See, the problem is a lot of times what we do, we just play defense. And you ought to take the, this Bible and play some, run some offensive plays. Right? Because if all you do is do this when you're in trouble, your heart's not established. That's why you're not seeing results. Your heart has to stay established in the Word of God so that when things come, you're not, just, you're not trying to react to it. I mean, you're speaking future events, right? You're, you're doing what God told Abraham. You're calling things that be not as though they were so that they will be because you are at the seed planter, Right? Jesus said this way. Can we quote Jesus one more time? Uh, Matthew 12, 33 through 37. He said, either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. People talk about judgment sometimes. You can't judge me. I'm not judging the motive of a person because I don't know their heart. You might be right, but you don't have the ability to know whether you're right. You understand what I'm saying about that? We, we, we've never been given the right or the responsibility to judge another person's heart because you don't know their heart. But sometimes you can judge the, the fruit because it is. I always say it this way. You know, you've heard me say it like here. I'm judging. That's a green chair you're sitting in. Now, I had a friend of mine come here one time. Well, with to help us with the bathrooms. Uh, he said, what color is these chairs? And I said, is this a joke? He said, no, I'm colorblind. I said, oh, you, you are? He said, yeah. He said, they're gray, aren't they? I said, if you want them to be. <laughs> Lord speaking to you again. <laughs> right. uh, but they're, they're green, right? I mean, if you walk up to an apple tree and say, I just judge you and I, and I, and, and I just say that you're, you're, you're nothing but an apple tree. Am I right? Why am I right? It's an apple tree. Why? Because there's apples on it. Huh? So that's all Jesus is saying. He said you can either make the tree good or you can, or the, and the fruit good or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. But a tree is known by its fruit. Hmm? Andrew Wong would say it this way. I don't have to be with you when you plant your garden to know what you planted. All I got to do is show up a few weeks later and I'll know what you planned. I wasn't there when you done it, but I'll see what you did plant. Hmm? 
I didn't have to be there the day it took place. You plowed the rows and you put the, the seed in, covered them up and watered them. But I'll come back a few weeks later and I'll know what you did that day. And I'll know it by the fruit. Next verse, Jesus said in verse 34, he says, Oh, you generation of vipers. That's not a good thing. How can you be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth leaketh. I mean, sorry, speaketh. Same thing. Out of what's abundantly in your heart, the, your, your mouth speaks. Yes. Glory Copeland would say it this way. Your future is stored up in your heart. Yes. They say, what's my future going to be like? She's tell me, tell me what's in your heart. Verse 35, Jesus said, good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. No mystery there. Verse 36. But I say unto you, Jesus said that every idle word amplifies his every inoperative, non-working word. Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word or every inoperative, non-working word, Jesus said, you will give an account to me on the day of judgment. That's strong. Every word that you're speaking that's not productive, it's a non-working word. He says, that's, you will answer to me for that. Because the next verse is, Jesus said, for by your words, by your, not your thoughts, not your intentions, by your words. Some say, well, I just feel like it's legalistic. It's not legalistic. He divided the, the, uh, his creation from that of an animal. An animal doesn't have the ability to do that. They have ability to do all kinds of things. They have ways of speaking. I have some type of animal that I need to find at night. The kind that digs holes in the yard, moves, digs another hole. Which, what kind of animal is that? It's a what? Uh-huh. Well, let's see. We're about to have possum on the half shell for supper some one night. Because <laughs> he was out there last night again. What are they looking for? Yeah, well, he's going to find buckshot. What he's going to find? Because <laughs> there's holes everywhere. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry if you're... One of the animal activists on Facebook. <laughs> I probably won't shoot it. I'll <laughs> probably just speak kind words to it and it'll just go away. <laughs> yes, have what you say. Yeah, I did this about two weeks ago. And it's like, man, I woke up and I said, oh my gosh, I got all these holes in my yard. And then uh, woke up this morning and worked the other side of the yard. <clears throat> I thought someone was digging for worms, wanting to go fishing. I said, Bill wouldn't do this to my yard. Surely he wouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Last verse, Jesus said in that Matthew 12, he says, By your words you shall be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Amen? Amen. So let's get our words. Let's order them right. Amen. Let's say what we mean and mean what we say. Why? Because we're having what we say. Remember Jesus said, he says, Speak to this mountain, and it, the mountain, shall obey you. Yes, it's believe it in your heart, but he says, but you can't put this, you can't put the faith law, uh, the principle of, of the law of faith into action without speaking it. It has to be spoken. Can't just be believed, it has to be spoken. 
I mean, what would you do when you went to Sonic? You wanted to eat, but she's like, I just, you know, I'm just not, just, I have a real quiet personality. I don't speak. <laughs> you go to Sonic, you pull up, and they like this, and you just, they're like, can I help you? They're like, <laughs> they don't do nothing. My team is hit their little red button. Uh, can I help you? Uh, what, what you want to order? <laughs> what are they waiting on? Words produces food? Oh, they're waiting on words, right? You know what God's waiting on? Words. You, you, you know what the angels are waiting on to help you? Words. You know what the devil's waiting on for you, from you? Words. Everybody just playing it wants some words. So let's order our words right and have the right kind of fruit because your life is headed in whatever direction you're saying. I hope it helped you because it helped me. Amen. And so we're not really going to kill an armadillo in Jesus' name. I'm not going to shoot it. I might beat it with a ball bat, but I'm not going to shoot it. <laughs> God's good all the time. Well, I, I declare that you're healthy, healed, blessed. You're already good looking, so you don't need any help in that department, right? You're blessed when you came in and you're blessed when you go out. You are the head and you're not the tail. Amen. Right? Amen. You're abounding. Yes. Super abounding. Yes. Jesus was made unto you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen. And favor is on you every day of your life. Amen. And you're favored to someone else. Amen. And you're in harvest time. Amen. You're a sower, therefore you're a harvester. Deuteronomy said, it shall come and overtake you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Any agreement on that? Amen. Those of you who need creative miracles, they're being produced right now. Amen. We just released the seed for creative miracles to take place in bodies right now in Jesus' name. That whatever needs to be rearranged and corrected and made new, I thank you, the ministering angels of heaven. Yeah, they're going up to that parts supply place and just bringing in them new organs in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He has your address. You're healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Top of your head, the soles of your feet. You are the property of God. And he was in is your right and it is your heritage. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Brother Matt's going to come Wednesday night and help us. Everyone has someone in their life Almost nowadays, that if they're not, that needs help along these lines. And uh, sometimes we feel like we're not qualified. Well, that's what this is going to help you do, help you get qualified to help people with the situation. Because, uh, you know, I don't care how bad the situation is. It's just like being lost. As soon as you get the right directions, you're, that you, just need, you just need one piece of information to turn the situation around and head it back the other way. And so he'll be sharing that with us Wednesday night.